0: Welcome, everyone. This is Lee McKinney. Welcome to the Infinite Mind Podcast. Episode two. Thanks for coming back. If you haven't seen the first one, it is on this YouTube channel. It's probably the last video I uploaded. Just to give you a quick rundown, this is kind of my way to connect with you guys, uh, keep you in the loop on things in my life, what's going on, music I'm making, tours I'm doing, um, anything, bullshitting around during the week, really anything. Uh, I said last week I want this to be a pretty interactive podcast, so I'm going to be looking for you guys to submit questions, um, anything really, topics to do, ketchup versus mustard, come up with your own, whatever you want to do, let me know. I think um, I think that's going to make this thing a lot more fun for all of us. Um, it is Thursday, October 17, 2019. Uh, so yeah, just uh, follow my socials. That's where you're going to be able to ask me questions. Um, I'm going to take some of those in a bit. Um, I'm also doing a section where I tell you what I'm listening to, uh, my my music on my iPod, and you can tell me what you're listening to. I think one of them that I am doing tonight is one that you recommended me on my YouTube. So thank you for that. It's going to be a good time. Um, It is friggin' cold here in in Dallas. It's crazy. I I always say, um, I'm getting acclimated here. I grew up in Chicago, but I always say that it's gonna take me forever to get acclimated to this weather. I'm not a fan of uh, hot weather. My wife is just like the hot, like she thinks 100 degrees, 110, it's beautiful. And for me, that's just miserable. I feel like the second I get out of uh, the shower, I'm already sweating again. But she's all about it. And I always say that if you don't live with your significant other, I always say the first thing you're gonna realize when you move in with them is how brutal it is to find a temperature in the house. And so it's, it's been one of those weeks. I've been, uh, we went to the fair yesterday. With our friend Brittany and I thought it was cold. I'm wearing. I'm walking around in a hoodie. She's got nothing, so uh, no hoodie on. She's just wearing a t-shirt. So I feel like we almost kind of switched roles, and so it's weird how that works. But it, it's definitely a thing. I'm sure you all realize if you don't, uh, if you live with your significant other. But um, yeah, we had a blast. We met our friend Brittany. We uh, rode a couple rides. We did the. I did the one where. Uh, what is it? It's the. It's like a ladder. There's two of them next to each other. Um, and it's it's on the top and the bottom. It's connected. And you kind of have to balance left and right all the way up. And you don't want to fall off the side. Uh, I tried to do that. Failed miserably. I got about halfway up. But um, Jody did as well. My wife, Joe, She got about halfway up. Brittany, not so much. Sorry, Brittany. Um, but yeah, we were trying to figure out the guy who was doing it even walks up backwards with no hands. So I'm saying we're literally trying to all four limbs balance ourselves on the way up this thing. And this guy's walking up feet only backwards. No problem. It was crazy. It's fun though. That, that, that state fair is a, it's a big thing. I think, um, I mean, you know what they say, everything's bigger in Texas, but I, it's, I think they're really going for that with this fair. Um, it's basically fried food as far as you can see. And they specialize in fried foods that you don't even, wouldn't even expect. Um, I th- that you got fried Oreos, you got fried cheesecake. We had uh, Joe had some fried green beans. That's not too crazy. What else do we have? I had fried casserole. That was pretty insane. They had some good sweet tea, some non sweet tea. There's this big like hundred foot tall man named Tex who stands in the middle of the thing and he talks to you, tells you to clean up, tells you to have a good time, tells you welcome to Texas. All the good old Texas vibes. But yeah, it was fun. Little chilly, but had a good time cold in my house and studio tonight as well. So I'm wearing a bit of a hoodie. Um, oh, oh, I saw the, the Joker movie. The thing's insane. That thing is absolutely brilliant. It's a new take on Joker too. So if you are, uh, you know, the, the typical Joker, I feel like, it, I think good acting is always important, but I feel that there's always, there's always like a method actor in the role. I feel like there's some humor in it from time to time. And it's sometimes lighthearted, but this is just a whole different take on the, on the whole thing. Uh, the director is, let me see here, Todd Phillips. Oh my gosh, this is a masterpiece. Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker, if you don't know already, if you haven't seen it. And the movie's dark. It's um, the first scene. I don't want to spoil anything, but the first scene itself is uh, something bad happens to him. Uh, Arthur Fleck, I believe his name is, uh, the Joker. And yeah, something bad happens to him. So right away they they're pulling on your heartstrings and you're already feeling for this guy. And then you I, I feel like with any movie that starts with those vibes or has the darker kind of vibes, you're kind of waiting for something good to happen, you're kind of waiting for you know that moment of redemption and all that. Uh but it just it starts bad for the guy and it doesn't get much better throughout. Um but I I think it's brilliant. You know, you kind of leave the uh, theater feeling a certain kind of way, you feel maybe sad, maybe emotional, but I think that's important with art. I think that's important with any kind of art, music, movies, TV shows, uh, paintings, like anything, you know, we I think uh, it's an, it's on the topic of social media and kind of the damage that it does to people's mindset because when you paint everything so perfect like we do on Instagram, like these models do of, look how good I look on the beach, look at my new clothes, my new this, my new that, then I feel almost that people look at it and they think, "Well, shit, my life sucks." And and you see that this that social media can have such a negative effect on people's mindset and and the way they live their life. Um, so I, I kind of dig this kind of thing. I don't I don't want to make depressing music myself, but I love that there's some dark music out there. I love that this movie's out there to show you that you know it's not amazing for everyone. Obviously, this movie's not telling you if things don't go your way to go on a killing spree and become the Joker, but this is the kind of art I appreciate. I think it's important. And um, yeah, that thing was brilliant. Um, Joaquin's acting was second to none. It really was beautiful. I saw an interview and I know that Heath Ledger was doing method acting when he played the Joker, which is, uh, I like to think, one of the more popular Jokers in history. Uh, method acting basically is you kind of live like the Joker, you know, before you you film the role. So that could be starving yourself to, to match a, a weight that fits a comic. That could be maybe talking like the Joker leading up to the role. Maybe when you're not filming, you're still talking like the Joker. There's many aspects to method acting that make it what it is. And you always find that method acting can can turn some of the best roles, some of the best performances in movies. I I love it myself, but it was so interesting to me. In my opinion, Joaquin did the best Joker. I believe it's going to be hard to follow personally. But in an interview with Joaquin, they asked him if he was if he's a method actor and he was like nope they're like how personal was this role for you to fill and he's like wasn't really that personal and you almost think he's not playing ball in this interview but that was i saw this before i saw the movie this interview and so when i went to the movie i'm like all right i don't know what to expect here but we'll see it and he knocks it out of the park and it just goes to show with with any art no matter how you get it done um there's just no right or wrong way to do it. Just got to get it done right, and Joaquin did it brilliantly. I think it's going to be a hard act to follow. Uh, I heard Todd Phillips say in an interview that he doesn't even know if he's going to want to follow it up. But in my mind, this it's it'd be brilliant because I believe that um, you know these DC and Marvel movies. We have all these magic superheroes with all these powers, and they're just flying through space, and it's uplifting sometimes. And there's there's ups and there's downs emotionally, but overall, it's almost this untouchable world, this unreachable world. And I think it'd be so nice if they took the Joker into the Batman realm. Excuse me. Excuse me. And um, took him into the Batman realm in this dark version of Gotham, and just this no bullshit, realistic approach to the whole franchise It could be really cool. And they kind of tease you a little bit here and there with the with Batman. Again, I don't want to spoil anything. But I'd love to see him follow that up, you know, uh not such a magical superhero thing, but more of a real life in the dirt, grungy movie that you kinda have here with that pulls on the heartstrings. I just want to see more of it. And at the moment I don't know if they're planning to follow it up, but I would really love that. I almost, you know, it feels like we had a movie week in a way, because on Monday we went to see Three from Hell, which is Rob Zombie's new movie. Uh, I say new but it's a trilogy so first he did House of a Thousand Corpses and then he followed it up with The Devil's Rejects and then this is the third installment this is 3 from hell I was it was a Rob Zombie movie and I love it it's just exactly it was exactly what I wanted I'll tell you this though it wasn't what I was expecting you know after uh Devil's Rejects the way it ends with that brilliant scene when they're driving out in the car and the cops have the line set up. They're not going to pass on the road. They got the roadblock going and they got the shoot. It's a shootout. You see each, each of the characters in the movie are taking 20 plus shots t- to the arm, the chest, the stomach, everything. And it's a mess. And, and you're looking, um, you're looking at it like, A, are they going to survive? Because if they do, that's crazy. They took so much damage. B, if they followed up, what's the condition going to be? And I think maybe the first bit of the movie, they have to answer those questions, and they do. He does it in a brilliant way. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Um, but I loved how they did it. They come back. There's I don't want, again I don't want to ruin too much. There's a bit of a change in the cast, but the new the new character in it fits perfectly. You know, alongside of Sherry Moon, who plays uh, gosh, I figured her name. It's Rob's wife. She plays the the psycho in the movie baby firefly i believe her name is um yeah so you got you got him you got uh otis you know who's a clear psycho the guy's cutting people's faces off uh raping i think some of these victims obviously this is just the movies um but yeah so you wonder how third is going to fit in there because sid Haig, who plays the clown and i'll talk a bit about him soon unfortunately he passed away you know, when he drops out of the movie it, at a certain point, again, I don't want to say too much. He's a third comes in in his place. And you just the first thing on your mind when you see the guy's eye, right, how is he going to fill a, the, uh, a position on this team of freaks and killers and psychos? And then, you know, how's this actor going to do? Is he going to is it going to feel like, you know, this is forced? Is it going to feel good? But I'll say he fits in great. You learn to love him. And if they choose, you know, I don't want to say too much about the ending again, but wherever they go with it, uh, the series, I think he'll be a welcomed addition. So yeah, that was great. You know, with these Rob Zombie movies, that's all really important to me and my wife, Joe, because, um, I was on tour with Rob Zombie when I met my wife. And so uh, the first, you know, week, maybe four days, um, you know, it was us watching Rob Zombie. We had a magical time. And uh, it was just so cool. And, and it was just like, I feel like it's a nostalgic thing with us. So when we see Rob Zombie, it's the music, the the concert experience, his movies. Like, we don't miss any of it. And we're fans of all of it. And so it was really important for us to see that. And uh, yeah, the, the movie was brilliant. I, th- I recommend you guys all go and see it. Um, music. Music, music. Yeah, I've been working on my solo album still. I have eight tracks started. I mentioned that last week. One of them is acoustic, which is very interesting. It's, uh, but it's not, it's not, uh, what do you say? It's not quiet. It's not a ballad at all. It's actually quite powerful. And that was a goal of mine is if I'm going to make it acoustic, I want it to be pretty rhythmic and, and, uh, not feel like it's a lull or a drag in the, in the album. So it's real, it's real rhythmic. It's powerful. It's uplifting the vibe. Um And I'm having fun with it. It's a, it's also a trip. I track so much electric guitar out of the studio and for other bands and all my studio work that it's almost, it was almost fun to, you know, dive into a little more acoustic. I've done acoustic within motive in the past, but this was kind of the first time I did a bulk of acoustic recording on my own for my own music, especially because born of Osiris. We don't really do acoustic stuff, but I think that'd be fun. When I think about In Flames and some of the first, you know, In Flames music I heard, just really cool layers with acoustic. And and I'll say this: when it comes to acoustic guitar, you don't even have to make it an acoustic song. Another thing I like is um maybe a big chorus where you're strumming big chords. Uh, So you have an electric guitar on the sides, maybe in the middle, but you got bass, drums. What a cool thing! A trick to do is with acoustic guitar is um strum the same chords on acoustic guitar maybe pan them left and right and so what you get out of this is a really cool you know the the sound of your picking hand on the strings that 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 swiping sound that the, it's it's a it's one of it's one sound you know I'm talking about the pick on an acoustic string strumming it and then even if you're not filling out the chorus with the the full body of tone that is that acoustic part even just hearing the the pick scrape on the sides with your big chorus or whatever you got going on, it provides a really cool rhythmic, percussive, uh, bright aspect to it. So try that out in your recordings next time. I've been doing that in my studio stuff. Um, I'm also doing a song where the chorus is electric and the verses I'm thinking doing acoustic. So I've been trying to think of the logistics of how I do that live. Um, as my career has gone on, I've it's been important to me to not do things On record that I can't do live and you learn that the hard way sometimes when you're young and you learn how to do editing and you you put something on a record and then when it comes time to play it live you're you're kind of screwing yourself excuse me but so that's been a focus on this makes it more fun and I'm having a blast doing it I've also been doing this solo for a dude named Jared Dines I mentioned this last week on the podcast he is a badass guitar player a uh, vocalist, I believe, to mu- uh, musician in general. And he's most known, I believe, for his YouTube channel where he does reviews, funny videos. It'll be like 10 different kinds of dude at Guitar Center playing guitar, or whatever. And it's just you got the guy trying to shred his ass off. You got the dude who's playing. Dun, 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 dun. You know, it's just all the cliches at Guitar Center. You know, that's one of his videos. So the dude's funny. And again, I always say with these dudes that focus so much on content, it's a shame because they don't they don't have a lot of music. You know, you search the name on Apple Music or Spotify and you're like, well, shit, I mean, I love your channel and you're a great guitar player. But like, where's your music? That is not the case with Jared Dines. Um, He's got a band, I believe, called Daddy Rock, Dad Rock, something like that. He just sent me that album on Instagram. It's not out yet, but it should be coming soon. Um, he's got his, a solo album he's working on, I believe. And that's the one that he's, I'm doing a guest solo on. Uh, the dude keeps busy in so many ways. He toured at Trivium, played guitar, uh, Breaking Benjamin. He just played guitar with, which is a band he likes and listens to growing up. So the dude really does it right. He does his YouTube content, which is, he does, which is Instagram content as well. He kind of links between the two. And then, uses that to build music. And I think that's the right way to do it, you know, because with me, even just this podcast is a new realm for me of getting into sharing what I'm doing and more non-music related content. Because for me, I spend so much time writing music that all of a sudden days will go by and I haven't gone on Instagram and people probably think I'm partying my ass off because they hear the reputation born with Cyrus has. They think I'm probably wasted in a gutter somewhere or whatever, but I'm actually, you know, married in Dallas and working in my studio every day. So the thing is, is what you get for me is you have so many born of Osiris records, a solo album, you got in motive. I'm making music for these, this movie and this TV show. Um, uh, but then you'll also, I'll, I'll be lacking on content. And so I think that's badass that Jared, um, does not in any way lack in content, but also holds it up right with putting out a lot of music. So shout out to Jared, you are the man. Um, what else? Studio work. I'm doing that. I have some time this month. I'm going on my honeymoon the first week of next month and then have a few days after that as well to get ready for my solo tour, which I'll tell you more about in a minute. But yeah, so I'm accepting projects here in the studio. Can't see much of it right now, but yeah, I did the simulation of guitar, bass, a lot of keys here. I did my entire uh, Infinite Mind record here very comfortable here. And so, yeah, I do guest solos all the time. I do mixing, mastering. Uh, Whoops. I've done, uh, the other day I was sent a drum track and it was just, they needed help writing. And so I wrote guitar over literally one wave of a drum track. Um, But it's fun. I have a lot of uh, good times with it. And, And I said last week, but I'll say it again, what cooler way to connect with people than to share a song with it. And, you know, if the people want me to do a guest solo, first of all, it's an honor for me that you want to share, you know, your musical uh, and uh, just who you are, your musical identity and include me on it. So that's an honor as well. But if I try to think about if maybe Guthrie Govan was on one of my songs, which I would love, and I hope that happens, uh, how much of an honor that would be for me. And I think that'd be the coolest way for me to connect. Of course, I'd love to have a chat with Guthrie Govan. Um Govin, sorry, go through Govin. Um, and all those things. But when it comes down to a meet and greet or a conversation and passing or like us being on a song together, I think it's the coolest thing. So I am accepting studio work for this month. Um you can write my email at Osiris Studios at Yahoo dot com. That's how long I've been doing this damn studio thing. Yahoo email. Look at that. But yeah, one more time. O S I R I S Studios at yahoo.com. Hit me up. I can't do a ton of shit, but I can accept a a project or two. So, as I mentioned earlier, this is an interactive podcast, and I'm going to do this segment called What I'm Listening To. And uh, I encourage you to tell me what you're listening to below in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music. We got on Google Play the other day. And Pandora, I believe, is the other one. If you're listening on those, feel free to write me on Twitter or Instagram or, or wherever. Let me know what you're listening to. Ask me to listen to something. On that note, let's start with this one. Hayden Lopland listened to Infant Mind Podcast number one on YouTube. And he recommended I listen to a band called Shrezers. This is S-H-R-E-Z-Z-E-R-S. So I decided I would do that. I've, heard the, I've seen the name around, I think, on Instagram and things like that. Tell you what, though, when I searched the band, it was an easy choice of what song I would choose to listen to. The song was called Anarok, rock. rock Anarak. I don't know. A-N-A-R-A-A-K. Easy choice because my vocalist from Buenos Vosiris, my brother Ronnie Canazero, did guest vocals on this song, which, by the way, he doesn't do all the time. So he was impressed with the band um And I listened, and it was pretty clear to see why they are a badass band I think uh on first listen instantly you can tell he 's got some good guitar players in this band one or two I, I believe two and i 'll tell you why, but not just the lead work that I heard it was the riffs too. the riffs are getting stuck in my head pretty instantly uh, the lead work was great um there's a solo I think two solos in this song, and it was the first one I heard i 'm like yeah, this guy's great i don 't know his name I apologize i'll figure it out and maybe put it in the link or something below this video but then a second guitar solo happened and I look and I'm watching the video and it's a second guitar player so it looks to me like they have two badass guitar players shout out to those guys you guys are awesome um crazy good singing yeah the chorus it's a catchy singing it sounds there's middle eastern kind of vibes there's you know it doesn't sound like some american metal band by any means and I love that actually and and it was great and um yeah, a funny fact about that, Ronnie, my singer in Born of Osiris, tracked at Cameron's studio in Chicago, The drummer in Born of Osiris. So shout out to K- Ron and Kim. Love you guys. Amazing job. I love obviously Ronnie's voice, but I thought, you know, you guys, or Ron, nailed the patterns as well in this song. Very heavy, very catchy, very strong. Um, amazing guitar players. And then let's just say boom, all of a sudden there's a saxophone. And if you know me and if you know my solo album, Infinite Mind, you know I love a good saxophone. Always more sax. You can't have enough of that. I believe it's a time timeless instrument. So when I heard that, I was really pumped. Uh, but not just hearing a sax. This was a really good sax player um, playing with a lot of talent. But he, the melodies he was playing were really, really catchy. And uh, so I loved that. I'm going to say, that, sorry if my camera freaks out at any point in time if you're watching on YouTube. I don't know why. It's got this autofocus feature. Maybe I got to turn it off, but I can always sometimes see it kind of just trying to f- catch my eyes again. I swear I'm not stoned, but I don't have the biggest eyes ever. I think it can't find them. But anyways, yeah, Shrezzers is great. Um, I had a blast listening to that. I'm excited to hear more of them. You should check them out. S-H-R-E-Z-Z-E-R-S. And thank you, Hayden Lopland, for recommending that I check them out. Next I want to do my brothers, Velamaya. They put out a song called Members Only. And uh the song's badass. I call me biased, but uh and I don't know if you guys all know this or not, but uh Vela Maya and Born of Osiris, we grew up in Chicago together. Um and just north of us in Minnesota was after the burial. Actually, uh Oceano was in Chicago too. So at one point in time, if you went to our high school or anywhere in the Midwest, you could pretty much for free go see Velemaya After the Burial, Born of Osiris, um, Oceano. A couple of the bands came out of there as well. And I, forgive me for, you know, not Im- immediately knowing the names, but yeah. And so how cool is that? We were all in high school together, playing music together. And I always, you know, and, and so not to get ahead of myself, but we all ended up on Sumerian Records. And I think that's the coolest thing. So now people these days see us touring with Veil vale Maya and with After the Burial and, uh, and with Oceano, and they don't know that there's just so much history there. And so, yeah, call me biased, but I'm going to say I, f- I love this song. Um, my standout thoughts, actually, for, which are uncommon for Veil, vale, not uncommon, forgive me there, but it's not when, when you listen to Veil, vale, you don't think keyboard, but when I listened to this one, I did. I thought they had some beautiful keyboard tones. There's a keyboard solo in this song. Chorus is powerful. That's something I come to expect of after the... Uh, sorry, Maya. Uh, Lucas is an incredible, incredible vocalist. And shout out to Lucas. You're the man. Yeah, yeah. The first record with him on it, I, I heard it. And I'd already had 10 years of experience listening to Maya before they were even signed. And I heard Lucas in that album, uh, I don't want to say the wrong. I think it was called Eclipse, but the first one with him. Anyways, if I'm wrong, sorry, but that album was so catchy, in part due to to Lucas' vocals. So again, when I hear members only, I hear a beautiful chorus, powerful, with Lucas singing. And uh, I'm just like, I'm loving it. Uh, The recording itself was very tight at first I was like, okay, you know, there's, it's not verbed out. You don't have this big snare, like filling a hall. Um, it was a dry tight recording and at first it caught me by surprise and I ended up loving it. So I don't know who recorded it, but it was different from what I'm used to hearing from them and I enjoyed it. And then two minutes in, you get that machine gun Midwest breakdown. And so on that note, when we all signed a Sumerian, people called it Sumerian core and I think I do believe Sumerian has a sound, and not all in part to the bands I'm talking about. But I remember thinking, people go, "Oh, Samarian Core." It's like Veil and after the burial, born of Osiris, and, and we all love Samarian to death, and always will. But um, I just remember thinking at the time, like this isn't a Sumerian thing. This is that Midwest, Chicago, Minneapolis sound. And the reason that our bands sounded somewhat similar at the beginning was because we were feeding off of each other. I would listen to Veil, vale and they'd be my favorite band in the scene and then after the Braille would put out something and they'd be my favorite meanwhile we're all best friends bouncing shit off each other um you know ATB a little less they were they weren't in Chicago as much but um uh, Mark Akubo and you know all the guys in, in Vail have just been homies for so long they've seen a couple lineup changes but I I believe wholeheartedly that this is the best version of Vale Maya. of course you've got Sam Applebaum on drums still and what a monster on drums he is incredible human being too but yeah, after 2 minutes in you get this machine gun midwest style breakdown. You love it. It's that Velemaya. It's got Velemaya written all over it. It's a beautiful thing. So check out Velamaya members only. What else we got here? Oh yeah. <laughs> Anthony Green. Man, I I don't know what I was doing today, but I just went through my uh my my iPod. I don't know why I call it an iPod. It's my iPhone with with Apple Music on it. I don't do Spotify for the record because they pay their artists less. So, anyways, my Apple Music on my iPhone. I'm digging through something to listen to, I I come up to Anthony Green. This is a throwback for me. This album is called is it's called Avalon. It's from two thousand eight. Let me pull it up here. Two thousand eight. This this has let me see here. This has twenty songs on it. Okay, but. One, two, three, four. Okay, so maybe half of them are the demo versions. Anyways, it's a full length album. This particular version I have here is 20 songs, hour and five minutes. This is Anthony Green's solo album, Avalon. So if you know who Anthony Green is, you know how incredible he is. If you don't, you might know Circus Survive. Circus Survive is easily one of my top five bands of all time. I just think they're infectiously catchy. Their guitar parts are super inspiring in a loop, like a loopy, like fun way. Loopy doesn't always isn't always a compliment, but in this case, it is. One thing I noticed about Circus Survives guitars that I always loved was, like for me, when I write a song, I have my left guitar and then I have my right guitar, and what I'll do left and right is I'll either match them or harmonize them. And I just feel like that's, I, I feel like there's no reason for that, but it's like a go-to move that I make. Excuse me. But what I thought was beautiful about Circus Survive growing up is you'll have your song happening, beautiful, intricate vocals, the drums in the pocket, incredible bass. Um, but then you have the guitars left and right. All this is going on to create a beautiful moment, a beautiful verse or a chorus, but the guitar parts aren't matching at all and And they're not harmonizing I mean of course they I'm sure they do at times, and I'm sure they harmonize at times, but what I'm saying here is you have on the left a guitar that's just doing this this very adventurous, drifty fun, there's a lot of reverb and delay on the left, but then on the right you'll have the guitar player, same concept delayed, reverbed out, which just creates a an atmosphere an environment that I just love and um and he'll be doing something totally different, and I think that's so cool. And it took me a while. Like I used to listen to the the band. Again, I've listened to uh, particularly the first record, you turn ch- like really changed my childhood, uh, my, you know, my teen years in a way. And that was what I, I just, I would hear the songs as a whole and be like, this is perfect. And then it would it would be years later before I would realize, because I wasn't dissecting it. I w- it would be years later before I'd realize these guitars aren't even doing anything close to the same thing. And it just comes together in so many different ways to paint a beautiful picture, a piece, a beautiful song. And you just, you just, I just took for granted for a while how they got to these 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 final pieces of art. And man, is it beautiful! So yeah, I mean, I feel like I hope you know who Circus Survive is, but if you don't, you have to check it out. It's just some of the most beautiful music you'll ever hear. Anthony Green is uh, is the vocalist. And so he did his solo stuff, and, and this particular one, I believe, and I hope I'm not wrong here, I don't want to say wrong information, but this 2008 record, Avalon, I believe was the first, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but it was definitely the first one that I heard from him, and just was blown away. So check it out, Anthony Green, 2008 record, Avalon. Excuse me. Um, So check it out. Announcement. I announced it last week on the podcast, but I want to go over it again. I have a solo tour coming up. I'm going to be playing my solo album, Infinite Mind, in its entirety. I'm going to play new music that is unreleased as well. This will be the first time you can hear it. Uh, the only place you can hear it. And I've got an incredible band with me uh, from the Mars Volta. Again, never enough sax from the Mars Volta from Tram. I have bringing Adrian Terraza Gonzalez I'm sure he says it much more proper, but that's how I say it as a shitty American. Um, Adrian Chiraza Gonzalez, oh my God, multi-Grammy winning saxophone player. He's joining me. He played on my solo record, Infinite Mind. So if you hear saxophone, you're hearing that, man. So he's coming from Mexico to play on this tour with me. Um, on drums, I have Aaron Staconner. He's a freak. He plays in the Faceless. He's got a band called Interloper. Another project called Brazen Tide. And if you've seen him, uh, you might have seen him with Born of Osiris when our drummer Cameron broke his hand. But Aaron is a, he's wild. He's unbelievable. And uh, he's more than enough to play this music. And I'm, I'm honored to have him. Such an incredible person too. Uh, Aaron, shout out to you. You're the brother. Um, on bass, we have Alon Metal. Um He's been playing guitar actually for 20 plus years. Um, unreal player. He uh, he could play the guitar parts on the album, I'm sure, and, I, and we've talked about doing that down the line. He tr- he transcribed my uh, my infinite mind tab book. I'll put a link to that below. I'm holding it up in the on the YouTube video here. If you're watching, if you're listening to Spotify, Apple Music, sorry, but yeah, there's a link. SumerianMerch.com is where you can find that. But anyways, Alan transcribed that. I would write on mail or by hand tablature i don't have guitar pro or tabit or whatever you know those things are that you probably use to make these books i don't use any of that for my own reasons um i discussed them in the last podcast and if you want to hear what those reasons are feel free it just hampers my creativity long story short i like to write in my uh cubase in my program whatever anyways He's been playing guitar for 20 years. He plays bass with me. Uh, he went to Berkeley, graduated in guitar performance. Uh, he's brilliant. He's doing his own solo record right now. He's in the process of writing it, last I heard. So check him out. So yeah, we have Adrian Chiraza Gonzalez, saxophone, Aaron Sticano, Drums, Alon Mittal, bass. Uh, supporting me on this tour is Felix Martin. If you've heard of Felix, you know he's the man. If you haven't... He plays Kiesel guitars, just like me. He plays a double neck. So, you know, you'd usually have a double neck with a neck here and a neck below, which he does have. But his are not far apart. They're put together. There's a piece of wood that even connects the two because he's not switching off one to the other. He's playing both at the same time. Um, Two hands at once, tapping everything. He's got some wild things coming out of his music and with his guitar playing because of the way he's doing it. Um, honored to have him. I don't know his band members off the top of my head, but he's assembled a great live band as well. If you find him on Instagram, Felix Martin, you can uh, see, I believe he posted about his band. Also on my Instagram, I posted about my band. There's a picture of each of them, a short biography, because I think it's important. I understand this is the Lee McKinney tour, the Infinite Mind tour. This show is supposed to be my show but listen it's I'm not in my head thinking this is all about me I think it's important to say who my band is they are making this show extra special I guarantee these guys are drawing their own kids not because of me because they're gonna be on stage and when they are you don't want to miss it so to have assembled them in a band to perform with I'm absolutely honored uh, you can get tickets at lee l e e dot s o u n d r i n k dot com lee sorry lee dot soundrink dot com and uh there you can buy tickets uh you can buy uh meet and greet so we hang out i i, th- I don't have it on on hand but i think i'm giving you a guitar pick a pin sign poster a laminate take photos do A. Uh, Q&A. um yeah there's more but it's cool so, you can get that and tickets at lee.soundrink.com. Um, so, another thing I should briefly mention is that this tour, as well as any other headlining tour I do where I'm in control of the finances, I'm going to be donating to a charity. I think it's important on any level to give back. I think um, you don't have to be rich to do so. Anything helps. On this tour, I'm choosing a charity called Hope for the Day. Um, You can find their website at www.hftd.org. A good friend of mine, Jonathan Boucher, has started this in 2010. It's basically, uh, they're finding progressive ways to combat suicide in teens. And so they're doing it by, you know he's, he talks on stage at shows. Um, they're doing it through music and and art and all this, all these different ways. When I was living in Chicago, I went with him one day and we, I had a class full of kids and underprivileged kids from Chicago. And I taught them beat making and and music and and how to read sheet music and all kinds of cool things. They were rapping over these beats that we made together. It was a really special experience for me and I hope they enjoyed it as well. Um. yeah. So I have a lot of history with this charity. I think it's important. It's something that's at least important to me. So you don't have to pay any money, but if you do buy a ticket to my show, I'm putting money from those sales, from merch sales, if you pick up a shirt at the show and I'm going to be donating a bit from each show to this charity. Let's go over some tour dates, shall we? So that's next month in November. Not a very long tour. I have other obligations in December and the beginning of the um, November is my honeymoon. So I got married, you know, years ago at this point, but so busy. I haven't had time for the honeymoon. We're going on a cruise, me and my wife, Joe, and we couldn't be more excited. So tour dates start November 12th. I'll be in Houston, Texas at White Oak. On the 13th, I'll be in San Antonio, Texas at Paper Tiger. On the 15th, be in New Orleans, Louisiana, at Gasa, Gasa. I hope I'm saying that right. I believe so. On the 17th, be in good old Atlanta, Georgia, at the Masquerade. What a, what a beautiful history that the Masquerade in Atlanta has. I, this is a new one. They had the old one. I mentioned this on our podcast last week. Um, uh, heaven, Hell, and uh, they had another one, probably what you ever, whatever you call the in-between, <laughs> I forget off the top of my head, but um, yeah, uh, Havin is a big venue. How's the smaller one, and then the had yeah, the middle one. Might have been the, the the middle one. Might have been the smallest one. I might be wrong, but anyways, that one shut down. But that was such a shame. That was a big deal to a lot of people in Atlanta, and it was a big deal to bands playing there. I remember some of the first Born of Osiris shows in Atlanta. This band called Attila was opening our shows. A local band. This kid was off of like MTV. You know how cool is that? There's so much history. Obviously, we all know Attila as they are today, a very successful band. And Franz is very successful in in many other ways. Shout out to them. Great guys. Known them forever. Um, So that's the 17th of November in Atlanta, Georgia, the Masquerade. The 19th, be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Thunderbird Music Hall. 20th, be in Baltimore, Maryland at the Metro Gallery. 21st will be in Brooklyn, New York at St. Vitus. 22nd will be in Rochester, New York, the Montage Music Hall. 23rd will be in Detroit, Michigan at the Shelter. The 24th will be back to where I grew up, Chicago, Illinois at Subterranean. Um, very excited about that. Hope to get to see some family, some friends I grew up with. Hope to see a couple of the Born of Osiris guys. Um, the ones that live there. We have Joe Burris who lives in California now and Nick Rossi, our new guitar player, bass player um, lives in Arizona, but not playing there on this tour. And then we're going to close out the tour in Dallas, Texas at the deep Elm art co. It's the last day of tour. I can't wait. My wife will be there. Our family will be there. A lot of friends will be there. It's going to be a very nice night to just close things off and celebrate, you know, my first tour, and I can't wait. Very, very excited. Um, I have some section to talk about solo music. I kind of already did, but, you know, I did get a little bit of inspiration right before this podcast actually started. And I figured if I didn't get do the podcast, I would just not get around to it. And I promised I'm doing it on Thursdays now. So, But I did get a new idea for a song. I think when I finish this up, I'll start that. But yeah, like I mentioned, we're eight songs in. I have a tour in November that I just talked to you about. December, I'm doing Born of Osiris tour. That's not announced yet, um, but it's coming. I just saw the flyer today. I'm very, very excited to tell you about the bands on it. We're still looking for the opener. I think that's probably the only holdup from announcing it. And we might even announce without them, but the two bands before us on this show are incredible. Um, but yeah, because of uh, me being on November and born in December after this month, my solo album will be on hold for a bit, but that's fine because we're definitely playing catch up with, with born of Osiris. We had simulation one and, I, and I'll briefly touch on this again. I talked a lot about it on the podcast last week. And if you want to check that out, you can, but I'll, recap it a little bit. We did Simulation. It was 16 songs. You might be wondering why yours only has eight. And that is because we decided we were going to split it into two releases. At the time, there was a lot of reason for this. And the main one for me, I feel like was people's short attention span. Because I feel like when you put out a 16 or 20 song record, people are going to listen to it and again, not everyone, so you may disagree with what I'm saying right now, but in general, I would say that people usually listen to the first few songs a million times, listen to the ones with the star next to it on iTunes, the, the popular ones, they listen to the hits, they watch the music videos, whatever. Um, but I think that in order, what we wanted to, to give uh, every song its own moment and its own time, we decided to split up into two eight song releases. And the, the thinking there was that we would release simulation eight songs, you would hear it, It's only eight songs, so you're going to listen to all of them, ideally. Excuse me. Um, And then the second one would have came out in the summertime or in the fall or now would be nice. But that way you get eight more songs. But we decided to change things up. There's a lot of reasons for it, but I promise you it is for the better. Some of the reasons were frustrating in the moment. Because, you know, when you have songs, you just want the world to hear them. But in the end, it is best for everyone, including you, I promise, to do it this way. Because now, instead of getting eight songs, a simulation two, you're going to get probably 16, 12, 14, whatever. We have 18, I think, right now. Um, But it's the first time in our career that you're going to be getting the best of what we have. Instead of every other album we've ever made, you get all that we have our strongest and weakest all-in-one record. And again, nothing we ever do is something that we we think is weak. I'm just saying what you get is all we got until now. So you're going to get uh, for sure more than 8. I'm saying 10, 12, hopefully 16 of the 18 we have. Um but I'm very excited. What what's cool about it is Again, you never want your music to be delayed, but when it gets delayed and you're just sitting around in the studio, as I mentioned every day, you're like, well, I'm fucking writing more music, I guess. And then, boom, all of a sudden there's a new Born of Osiris song. And so, yes, you're waiting longer. I apologize for that. But what you're getting is a lot more music, a lot more thought out. um, And we are excited about that. In other Born of Osiris news... Yeah, so look out for... Sorry, look out for... um, our tour in December. I, I hope we announce it within the next few days, but you never know. It's not my decision, so we released Halloween merchandise. Um, it's one design, but we put it on a hoodie, put it on a T-shirt, we put it on a long sleeve. I think we put it on a tank top. I'm not quite sure, but the design is badass. There, it's on my Instagram. It's on Born With Cyrus Instagram. It's on Facebook. I believe it's on our merch now web store. So. I'm going to put the link in the description of this video. I know not everyone is listening or is watching on YouTube. So um, let me see here. Okay, here it is. If you're listening on Spotify, Up Music, whatever, the link to get this is merchnow.com slash catalogs slash born dash of dash Osiris. That is our Halloween merch. Let's see here. It looks like a shirt, long sleeve hoodie. So maybe not a tank top, but yeah, the design's awesome. We already got a low stock alert. We're already posting that there's not many sizes left. And if you want it, you need to go snag it now before they're gone. We'll put a, I'll put a link in, in the bio of this video or the info of this video. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as in motive, I mentioned last week we had two new songs from our previously released Subtle Mistakes. The first song with our new vocalist, Dave Escamilla of crown the empire fame um we did have a phone call with sumerian uh so the new t- the two new songs we had to follow up subtle mistakes were done in our eyes and then we pitched them to Samarian. they mentioned that they wanted to try a couple different things vocally and again excuse me is, is uh it, first when you hear those things you're like fuck I, I love it how it is but then when you get past the initial ego of that conversation and and other things and you have an open mind then you start to realize it's for the better. And so we're excited about that. Um, and, And they're just little things, you know, they're not changing the song, but if you've heard Subtle Mistakes, our song that we just released maybe a month ago at this point with a video, you will hear that he's got a lot of grit in his voice. He's doing the pitched screaming where it's not screaming. Sorry. It's singing. There's a note, but there's a little grit on the voice, little grit, gravel, whatever you want to call it. Um, But uh, I think one of the two of the new songs didn't have that. And that was a part of the voice that we really love of his and Samarian loves of his. And I think fans of Dave love of his. And so we did the new songs. They didn't have that in it. And we were like, you know, maybe it's that that we don't want to ignore. We all love that part of it. So, again, when you have that conversation where they're like, hey, try it again. Let's see what else we get. You're pissed for a second or you're not pissed. You're disappointed and whatever. But then you think about it. And I'm thinking of parts in the song that we could use that technique and... Now, I'm all about it, of course. But yeah, so we're going to go through. It won't be long. Like I said, the songs are done and tracked um, on about all the instruments. We just want to get it right. You know, it's tough with um, with the way that it was before. And now that we have Dave, who's obviously our best, this is currently our best formation of the band, and we're putting out the best music we've ever made. But we've still been on this journey to kind of find our sound and define the sound that we're going for. We want to get it right. Um so yeah, this is just part of the process. And again, like I said, we're always working every day in a studio. Um I think Connor's on tour with Bless the Fall right now, our drummer who plays for Bless the Fall. But yeah, you know, Nick and I are in the studio working, Dave's in the studio every day working on vocals. And yeah, we're just we're gonna get this right. We're gonna get it out to you at the right time. You don't wanna rush anything, and we don't wanna rush it for you either. So that is news on Inmotive. I also mentioned last week for people who don't know. If you've seen Sumerian Records, my record label that I've been with literally since uh, I was 17 years old, 18 years old. I signed a record contract with Sumerian on my 18th birthday in high school. So I've been with them forever. If you know them, you know they have now have Sumerian films. There's been a couple movies out by the owner, Ash Avildsen, writes and directs them. Obviously a brilliant man if you know the history of Sumerian and now you know the history with his history, the history he made of Sumerian, and the history now with um Sumerian films. Anyways, the movie put out his most recent one's called American Satan. It's about a band called The Relentless. And uh the, the plot line is basically they're selling their soul to the devil for success. And so you with that you get the drugs, the sex, the the violence, you get it all. But in the movie, of course, they need to be a band making music and I was lucky enough to be the one chosen to write their music. I think after the Burial Riffs are in one of them. Uh, I think the dude from Dillinger's Escape Plan wrote one. And again, if I'm wrong, sorry, but I'm trying to give credit. I'm just not positive on what other people did that aren't me. But yeah, the bulk of everything you're hearing in that movie is my writing. And is, is the coolest thing about American Satan is the first thing you hear when the movie starts is my guitar. I remember I went with my wife and her dad to see American Satan for the first time and with the screen still black, you hear my guitar and I'll never forget the moment. It was it was an honor for me. But now American Satan is a TV show, Paradise City. It's not out yet. I don't have any release dates for that. I don't have any information on that. You'll have to track down Ash Avelton. If you can find him, he's on a boat today I saw. Um and ask him about it. But yeah, I know that his creative process is really cool. Um he likes to get away into the mountains and and just uh Really, just get to himself, you know, get away from the phones, get away from the emails, and just do his creative process. so that's why I say if you can find him, good luck, but I hope to have some information on that soon. Shout out to Ash that man has really been a big part of my career in many ways with sumerian two Sumerian films um, he's just been so supportive of you know my doing a solo project in motive, you know you hear about these people that get successful and they get popular or famous and that's like, you call him up and they're like, who's this? But this is a man that as he's risen through his career, he's, you know, kept all of his friends and the people that were with him at the start, you know, Veil My After the bear loss, all of us. He's always kept us around. And he's that kind of guy. So I'm pumped to be working with him and I don't see that ending ever. Uh, but yeah, I started a new song for that the other night. I mentioned last week that I owe him a few songs. Well, since then, I've done another one. I'm really pumped on it. I've been doing fun, like stadium rock and roll for this now. And that's why I see the band in the movie. I see them getting more popular and more successful. And it's fun to me now because now I can kind of change the music I'm writing to where I think the band is going. And so again, I can't give away anything, but I heard one detail about something that happens with the band, maybe a new instrumental. I'll say that. And so now I have this new instrument to think about when I'm writing their music and it's just really fun. So American Satan, I'll put a link to this, the movie and the soundtrack that we came out with. There's two, but I believe the one is like songs that were not mine. that were just played in the movie, like Deftones and whatever. And then there's one where it's relentless, the band from the movie, all their music. So that's where you'll find all the music that I wrote. And um, so I'll put a link to American Satan in the description I'll put a link to the, the soundtrack in the description. Um, and yeah, I'll do Amazon. I've been, uh, I work with Amazon on this podcast a little bit as like an affiliate. It's kind of hard to explain, but basically if I tell you about American Satan and put the link in the bio, you click it. If you do decide you want it, then we all get benefited from it. So, you know, I'm new to the YouTube thing, but again, not trying to sell you anything, going to talk about these things anyway but when you see an Amazon link below or this affiliate mark it's just to let you know that we are working together on this podcast okay let's get into Q&A uh, I did questions on my Instagram again so if you want to get involved in the next podcast and get ask me some questions follow me at Lee Osiris L-E-E-O-S-I-R-I-S that's on Instagram that's on Twitter yeah, I think I have a Tumblr, but I don't think I ever use it. It might be linked to my Instagram, <laughs> but I don't check it. So, sorry. Um, let's see here. We come to Greece. Okay, at zero, Ziro, Z-I-R-O underscore 128 says, we come to Greece for a concert. Please come. I'm a big fan. That's the goal. So in, in as far as other countries go, I just did my solo stuff with Animals as Leaders and Car Bomb, but I imagine that you're asking about Buenos Aires as well. Buenos Aires is kind of come next year so we're setting up a date we're setting up bands to come with we're trying to figure all that out right now and once we have that figured out we will announce it but 100 percent next year we'll be playing other countries um we haven't been the best with it always with making records and touring in the states and we did australia last year and we try to go wherever we can but there's a lot of territories to cover and we do our best but next year yes you will see us um king conger 1990 asks what inspired you to want to start this side project for your infinite mind album I think that I've always been inspired to do this so I started playing guitar when I was 10 years old and uh basically I told the story about this on the last podcast my my dad showed me rock music when I was really young he got me a guitar when I was 10 years old and I so I think when you're a guitar player and you're young you know I'm hearing things like Eric Johnson close to Dover I'm hearing Surfing with the Alien by Joe Satriani. I'm hearing Avia Musicom by Steve Vai. Um, you know, solo artists like that. Uh, Eric Clapton Records was a big deal to me when I was young. I think always will be. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan was a big deal to me when I was young. And so the, the the common thread you'll notice with most of them is a solo album. And so I think from... 10 years old playing guitar, I knew I was going to do this in one way or another. And uh, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, finding the time to do it right. Because Born of Osiris is, those are my best friends. That's my family. That's the music that, you know, making music with them got me to be able to do this, any of this in general. So that's my priority, 100%. It's what keeps the lights on. It's what pays the bills. And it's just, you know, how I really just get to let loose and have fun on stage. Even when it comes to playing my solo album live on stage there's just so much more going on in those guitar parts that I really have to just kind of buckle down and just jam them at least so far I've only done one tour with it so you know maybe once I get more comfortable I'll be a bit more loose like I am with Born Osiris but and I guess when I gotta say something on that note when I say there's more going on in the guitar parts of my solo record I want you to know that's not because I'm putting more effort one thing I think is important about saying that the guitar parts are more tame in one place versus the other is why. And with when I relax on the guitar parts in Buenos Osiris, it's usually because there's some vocals going on. And so when you think of, and those are the lead role in a, in a thing, whether you like it or not, in my mind, because whether or not you listen to Buenos Aires for the vocals or the guitars or the drums or the bass or the keyboards or whatever, they're all there. And when vocals do come onto a song, they're kind of the, the top layer to me. They're the lead. And so whether or not that's what you listen to the band for, maybe you're a drummer and you just want to hear Cameron, whatever. I think when vocals are there, you need to, that's, that should be the main focus. So if I do calm down, it's because there's vocals. If I say there's a lot going on in my, my solo record, it's because there are no vocals. And so my guitar is the lead line. And that's what, I, that's what I mean when I say that. But yeah, as far as influence goes, I knew probably the whole time I was playing guitar that I was going to do it one day. I just needed to find the right time to execute it. I need to find enough time off. I need to get... I, honestly, if I made a solo album when I... Let's see here. When I was 23, touring on Bono Aires, five years into our career, when I was, I was getting fucking wasted every night and just being a psycho, like, you know, people probably heard about Buenos Aires, but no i mean i don't think that's the time for me to make solo record um right now i put it out when i'm well i was 29 when my first solo record came out I'm, I'm 30 now but yeah now you're getting this version of me that i show up to play the guitar and to play it correctly and i'm just glad i didn't start this until later in my career i, I had my fun i did my thing and now i'm doing music for the sake of music um for the right reasons and playing and performing for the right reasons and so now when you see me live you see it's very serious to me it's 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 as real as it gets so I'm glad I waited and uh yeah better time than ever awesome album good show in Barcelona thank you Kratos Beard so this is someone who saw me on tour with Animals as Leaders and Carbon playing my record thank you for coming I bet you have a badass beard uh, I am skeezer asks about life on the road while holding a relationship, marriage, pros and cons. That's a great question. Honestly, um, you get, uh, hold on a second. You get the cliche of people saying, oh, you know, there's women coming to your show every night and how do you not, how are you not tempted? And you know, all this bullshit or or why would you be in a relationship or be married in that position. Well, for me, I don't think like that. I guess, you know, for someone who has a podcast, you might be surprised. I'm a bit of an introvert. I don't have a ton of bullshit conversations. I don't like small talk. So the whole process of, you know, meeting some girl and having a half ass conversation just so I can get laid was never a thing for me. Um, you know, I started touring right out of high school at 18. So I'm not going to say like I didn't, you know, see all sides of the touring uh, lifestyle. I mean, I've done, um, I've experimented at young age and I've grown the fuck up too. But, you know, for me, this isn't hard at all. Um, She's, If anything, as I get older, touring gets harder mentally and physically. And my wife is someone that keeps me very grounded. And she's the one that kind of makes there's been times where I've had enough and I'm like, I can't do this shit. And she'll be the one to say, you're crazy. You're touring the world, getting to see any, everything in the world with your best friends. She goes, don't be dramatic. You're being a drama queen, chill out. You know, uh, you know, there's the, the tour is going to come to an end. You're going to come home. You're going to get your break, whatever. So if anything, they're all pros for me for having, uh, for my wife. Um, if there's any kind of con, it's not going to be in my situation. It'll be with what I've seen a lot. And what I've seen is a lot of women who I always say this, women want the guy in the band until they have the guy in the band. And then once they have the guy in the band, they don't want the, they don't want him to be in a band anymore. Um, and I think that's as real as it gets, to be honest. And so, and, and listen, let me, I think it's important. And especially as I get older, I try to think of things this way. I try to see things from both sides of view, both points of view. So, if my wife was took a job where she was gone as much as I'm gone, for, that would be fucking hard. I understand that. And so when I see a, a girl or a guy, whatever, sex is not important in this scenario here, that doesn't support what their significant other is doing. First of all, I can't necessarily blame them for being frustrated. So I see that side of it. I think you're a strong man or a strong woman to be able to allow your significant other to leave as much as you do, whether it's for music or not. But, you know, if this is something that you met this person and they were already in a touring band, then you came into their life and now you want to pull them out of it. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Um, And let me say this as well. When it comes to being with a guy or a girl, whatever, and this is their passion. We don't tour in metal, at least for the money. You know, you can make it, and we've been very fortunate starting early in our career and kind of never riding trends that money has been something we've been able to make enough to a point where we can keep it going. Um, but we don't do this for any other reason that we love to do it. And so I always say this let's say you get your significant other out of the band because you don't like him touring. Well, first, yeah, I can't blame you for not liking it. So I'm not going to, you know, say anything about that. But I'm going to say this. Excuse me. Um, I'm going to say this. What happens when you take the passion out of somebody? Now what you have is a person that lacks passion. You have a, a man or a woman who is is passionless. And yeah, they have passion towards you. I'm sure they love you very much. But you can't... I don't think you can have a relationship all on your love for each other and no passion for anything else. I don't think that's how it works. So I always say you take the passion out of a man. Now you have a neutered dog and that could be extreme. And, you know, sorry if you don't like that. And if, sorry, if that's extreme or I'm not either. So how about that? But yeah, don't take the passion out of somebody. Um, and it's just like, you don't want to take that away from, if my wife likes, she likes makeup, she loves working, uh, in, in a med spa industry, She likes bartending. She likes all these things and they, and they make her feel fulfilled. And so if I were to take maybe makeup away from her or her, her animals or her cat, something away from her that she's passionate about, that's first of all, that's fucking terrible. Second of all, like now I have to, I've done this to my best friend, right? That's what you say about your, your wife or your, your boyfriend, girlfriend. Now it's like, now I've taken something away from the person I care about most. And if it's something they're passionate about, or if it's their passion in life, I just think it's a shitty situation. You don't want to be a part of. So, do I blame you for not wanting people to tour? No, or or any job that you're leaving for long periods of time. No, I don't blame you. However, is there ways to go about it? Absolutely. And um, taking the passion out of them, forcing them to come home. Now they got now they're resentful and they're stuck around you with resent. That's just a recipe for uh, the ending. Of a relationship. So anyways, yeah, that's a, I'm strong about that subject and it's something that I see a lot and it makes me, um, something passionate about. Just, uh, you don't want to do that to people. Anyways, let's get into some metal news. All right. This first one is terrible. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I saw three from hell which is the third installment of House of a Thousand Corpses and um, Devil's Rejects. And uh, yeah, I understand this isn't metal news, but this is something I briefly touched on earlier with seeing the movie. And listen, Rob Zombie makes these movies. Sid Haig is the star of them. So I'm going to talk about this. House of a Thousand Corpses star Sid Causes Cause of death is revealed. This is from Alternative Press. Sid Haig, who is best known as Captain Spaulding in the Rob Zombie trilogy, passed away a few weeks ago. Now, we are aware of his cause of death. So to backtrack a bit, let me, let me take a step back, because I didn't, wasn't doing this podcast three weeks ago, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, uh, Haig's wife, Susan Oberg, confirmed via social media that the actor had died on September 21st. She said, on Saturday, September 21st, 2019, my love, my heart, my true love, my king, the other half of my soul, Sydney, passed from his realm onto the next. He has returned to the other universe, a shining star in her heavens. He was my angel, my husband, my best friend, and always will be. He adored his family, his friends, his fans. This came as a shock to all of us. We as a family are asking that our privacy and time to mourn be respected. So the news... Today is, according to California issued death certificate, TMZ reports that the 80 year old died of chronic heart and lung issues. This is just terrible. If you've seen these movies, you know how iconic Captain Spaulding the character is. If you you can't imagine how hard this is for his wife, his family, for Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie, and this is a terrible thing. Uh, but you know, the man lived an 80 year life. He's done it all. Uh, let me see here. Cardio respiratory arrest is the immediate cause of death. TMZ lists respiratory failure, aspiration, pneumonia, and a small bowel obstruction as contributing causes of death. Following his death, Rob Zombie shared many posts about the passing of Sid Haig, who starred in House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. Rob says... Last night I received a phone call I was dreading from Bill Mosley. He told me that our friend Sid Haig had died. It was shocking, but unfortunately not unexpected. I've known for a long time how sick Sid was and what he was battling. Over the past year as I saw pictures of him still attending conventions, I thought perhaps he had beat it. But last week he returned to the hospital. I feared the worst. And I feared the worst. Sid and I had a long talk on the day that he told me of his condition and he knew from Three From Hell he knew Three From Hell would most likely be his last appearance on screen sadly it was i knew it was very important to sid that captain spaulding make one more round and he did sid's time in the film is brief he was in rough shape that day but he gave it his all and made his scene very memorable i was a fan of his as a kid watching jason of star command all the way through our 20 years of working together i can still clearly remember the first time we met it was at edith head costume building at universal sid came out of the dressing room wearing a clown suit which was a few sizes too small We said hello, and then we both started laughing at how ridiculous he looked in his ill-fitting suit. We would find him a much better suit. As we were making House of a Thousand Corpses, neither of us knew he was creating a character that would live on and grow in popularity every year. Sid told me how many times how thankful he was for Captain and how the character changed his life. He had completely given up on acting and now suddenly had found a whole new audience at the age of 60. I know he was thrilled and blown away by that fact. The Captain is gone, but he will be never forgotten. Rest in peace. You know, how sad is that? You know, that's Zombie. That's his great friend, um, a man of the family, uh, a huge following in the horror movie industry, especially with these particular films. But let's look at this. I I was just intrigued, and I wanted to know what else he had been in. And then you realize at first glance that, you know, it's not just these movies that you know him for recently. Uh, He's been in The Untouchables, Batman, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, charlie's angels the dukes of hazard macgyver etc uh yeah i mean you lost we lost a legend here and this is just uh it's heartbreaking it's a it's a tragedy so i just want to say rest in peace to sid best of wishes to his family um i hope zombie and co are doing well uh but yeah see the movie three from hell i wasn't going to ruin anything but it looks like he did on instagram here He's in a scene in the beginning, um, and it's just you can, I'm gonna be honest you can see his health in the scene you know compared to the others his has declined and uh, it's just kind of I, in my mind I knew you know as I saw the movie on Monday that he wasn't with us anymore and I just knew how special what I was or how special what I was watching was yeah so rest in peace in other news Eddie van Halen is reportedly battling throat cancer once again. I found this on Metal Injection. Again, this is very sad. Uh, A few years ago, David Lee Roth seemed to insinuate a Van Halen reunion tour with Michael Anthony, with the band hoping to book Yankee Stadium, but those plans did not come to fruition. With Roth launching his Las Vegas residency, things aren't looking good for Van Halen, but it turns out not for a lack of trying. TMZ reports that a source tells them Eddie has been flying to Germany for radiation treatments for the last five years. TMZ sources seem to indicate that Eddie is doing okay, at least on the surface. While Eddie is known as a serial chain smoker, even smoking after getting rid of his throat cancer. Now here's what is wild to me. Eddie has been told that the source of cancer comes from constantly putting a metal guitar pick in his mouth. That's nuts to me. Um, But from what i know this is what it is um uh, but listen as a guitar player we're hoping that uh we're hoping the best Freddie van halen i'm sure every guitar player remembers hearing eruption for the first time i was just hearing this new technique this tapping hammer on pull off technique that you know we had never heard before and at least to my knowledge and uh i'll never forget it. i was in the car with my dad and we were driving around as we as we would listen to metal or rock and uh Yeah, I'll never forget it. I mean, you're talking jump, hot for teacher, running with the devil, Panama, ain't talking about love. The list goes on. I mean, this is one of the most important figures in guitar history, in recent history. I mean, this is one of the most important figures in guitar history in general. So, this is a shame. This one, uh, not a shame. This one, this one sucks. This one hurts. Um, But I just, you know, wanted to fill everybody in because, you know, we thought that he was over it and it appears that it has come back, but not this time from smoking rather from putting a metal guitar pick in his mouth. So it's it's absolutely insane, and I wish him the best. All right. I think this will be the last one for news for me, but uh, fit for an autopsy, Will Putney explains why deathcore became boring. This is from the PRP. Well, I found this on the PRP. Kerrang! Have published a feature on the current state of deathcore... The once prominent metal subgenre has found itself on the decline lately, with many of its defining acts having branched off into other genres. Members of Carnifex, Thy Art is Murder, and more were interviewed for a piece and reflect on the scene's initial rise and more. So, I'm going to link the actual Kerrang article down below of this YouTube video. And again, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, go to Kerrang website, search. I'm sure you can find that, uh, their article on Deathcore. But Will Putney. Who plays for Fit for an Autopsy? And he's also a very good producer. I know uh, we've wanted him to work on some Born of Osiris stuff and haven't had the chance, but he had a lot to say, or he had this to say on Deathcore. It hit a lull, things felt rehashed and sterile. What Deathcore became was very limiting at its core. It was simplified and a far cry from where it started out. A lot of the chaos and experimentation was taken out of the genre. It became boring basically. So one thing I said last week about me doing news on this podcast is that I'm not going to be into, you know, drama. As you've seen, it's a lot of, it's just me kind of letting you know some things that you might not know. Um, otherwise I'm trying to stay out of things. So I'm not going to have an opinion here and I'm not even saying he's wrong at all. As a matter of fact, maybe the contrary. I think, I think I agree with a lot of what he's saying here. Um, what I find interesting is when you think, of, okay, so deathcore in general. Born of Osiris, my band, came out in two thousand seven. We wrote that record, The New Rain, in uh, we recorded it senior year of high school, and uh, so we put out that record in two thousand seven, The New Rain. And I remember when people were calling us deathcore, we hated it, and we were, we didn't really get the term. Nowadays, I feel like we just you know you embrace things, and and it doesn't bother me anymore. Just like Periphery and Meshuggah don't want to be called gent. We originally didn't want to be called deathcore, but let me just say this: our record, "The New Rain," I know it was only twenty-some minutes long, but there is enough riffs on that damn thing to make an hour-long album. That thing, nothing repeated, really. Um, we were just that thing sounded like acid and <laughs> drugs and alcohol, but um, I'm not gonna get into that. But yeah, this thing was. That record was crazy, and it was called Deathcore, right? The New Rain. And if you're familiar with that record that we did, um, then you know what I mean. If you're not, maybe check it out. But it's crazy to think that our record, The New Rain, was around this time of Deathcore, that this beginning of where he's talking, and now where it is today, what I think is very interesting is, if you listen to a Deathcore, now, Deathcore band now, it's very different. Um, and so I agree. I do think it's a bit less adventurous. It's a bit less technical at times. But I want to say this. That I'm really not talking shit here at all. Um, and a lot of people would say Buenos Aires music is more simple today too. And so I'm not going to argue there either. But I want to say that there's many things at play here. I mean, naturally simplifying a band kind of makes them bigger in a way. It kind of raises, I always say, the ceiling. Similar to when a band only screams. I say that this is where your ceiling is your, your potential. And then when a band starts singing, I say that, uh, your ceiling's higher now. Well, the same concept goes with simplicity. Um, you're going to appeal to more people if you're not psychotically technical or progressive. Um, that's just a fact. Okay. That's why the radio, the music on the radio is verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a, there's a structure for this stuff. A lot of times there's, um, popular tempos, you have 128, you have 140. You know, these tempos you're going to find all over the radio. Um. This is just a fact. This is what it is. And so there's many things at play here. I What I believe happens is sometimes a band wants to get bigger, so they'll simplify a little bit in the death scene. So now they're a big metal band. Then you could take that, add some singing, do a couple other things. Now you're a big uh, hard rock band. Like you can very easily, uh, not easily, but you can you can see the progression of how to get a bit more mainstream. So here's what I think happens. It started psychotic. I mean, I believe there's a lot of craziness in metalcore. I remember hearing certain songs thinking they were crazy. I know our new Rain record was pretty wild. And then I think maybe one of the bands, not us, I'm not taking credit for any of this, but one of the bands got bigger by simplifying a little bit. Now what you have is this deathcore scene where now the next band up in line is going to simplify themselves because they want to be like this band. I notice it in the scene all the time. Uh, bands, one band sounds like this, maybe bring me the horizon. Then boom, this band. Now they sound like bring me the horizon and it just happens this way. And it's, it is a shame, but what I like to think it is, it's like a bad snowball effect. Um, but yeah, and like I said, this, this podcast for me, I want it to be interactive. So please, uh, in the comments below or on Instagram, write me or Twitter, write me, let me know what you think of the current state of deathcore. I'm very curious. Put it in the comments. I'll, re- I'll respond. We'll have some conversation. I'm very curious about this, but yeah, I believe that uh, over time things do are getting a bit more simple. And I think the leaders of the genre are going to be sometimes those more simple ones. And then all of a sudden the bands will follow. You could also say um, that, uh, that, yeah, th- th- this is a natural state in other genres too. Any kind of the, Genres that are a little away from mainstream or radio, their, their leader is going to get a little closer to mainstream or a little closer to making more money or a little closer to accessing more people. And then the people behind them that just want to make a living making music or playing their guitar or doing their shit, they're going to follow this leader. And all of a sudden now you have this snowball effect of genres changing. And then sometimes there's a reset where all of a sudden now this band's like, fuck this. And then they go hard to the opposite way. Maybe this band's in death course. I'm not following this trend anymore. So now we're going to go heavy as hell. And then it almost resets. And then all of a sudden those heavy bands are popular because they're really fucking heavy again. And everyone's like, I'm sick of this shit. I want that heavy shit. And then boom, the cycle repeats. Um, very interesting to me. So let me know what you think in the comments. We'll have some discussion about it. Okay. I said no more news and this isn't really, uh, news that I need to discuss, but I do want to say this. Um, let me see here. I lost it. Uh, Periphery announced a 2020 tour with Pliny and Covet. This is badass. So I missed this Hail Stan tour they're doing. I was out of town when they hit Dallas. and um, But it's exciting to see this. Uh, it says, Periphery are not done touring yet. Having wrapped up the first leg of their North American tour, the band just announced another round of dates to support Periphery for Hail Stan. Joining them on this go around are Pliny and Covet. You can check all of the artists' social media for the dates. Uh, It's a badass tour. I'm sure it's one you don't want to miss. If you missed the first one like I did, um, obviously the new periphery is amazing. Um, What else we got here? Uh, Pliny. I mean, I I said in the last podcast who I want to be as a guitar player, and it's not, I don't care to be the fastest or cleanest or the shreddiest or or all of this. What I want us to be uh, that I want to be that guitar player that gets these parts stuck in your head. I want to be the guitar player that you sing my parts back to me or that you um, uh, d- you just hum in your head. And uh, Pliny is also in this area. Definitely doesn't sound like my record. I'm sure if you play them next to each other, we're not similar in that regard. But I know that he's also the guy that's there for the song and not for how fast he can be on guitar or how much he can show off. And then this band Covet uh, has a guitar player, I think she's the lead of the band as far as I know. And her name's, uh, Yvette Young and man, she's a badass too. I see her on Instagram all the time and she's just doing tapping and she's just really adventurous guitar playing. And it's just another take on guitar that I find really, uh, beautiful and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I saw this, uh, also one second here. Um, I saw this also that Suicide Silence have finished recording a new album. And, uh, so it says Suicide Silence recently announced guitarist Mark Halen was back from a sabbatical. They're working on new material. Um, apparently they work very fast. because They've taken Instagram to announce that the new album is done and out in 2020. It was produced by Steve Evitz. Every time I die, Dillinger escape plan and was mixed by Josh Wilbur, lamb of God at Gojira. So that thing's going to be heavy as balls. Um, this is awesome to me. I just wanted to talk a brief bit about the history with Born of Osiris and, and Suicide Silence. Um, I remember back in the day driving to get cigarettes in Chicago before we had started touring or been signed. Like Suicide Silence had this, their music out and it had Family Guy samples in it. So fun. And uh, it was, That's the first memories I have. But then we ended up doing some of our first tours. As a matter of fact, our first Europe tour was of Suicide Silence. Here's a funny story. These kids had their hands on the front of the stage. And if you remember Mitch, the way he used to stomp his leg down on his box that he stands on, this kid had his fingers and slipped them up just a bit too far and got his fingers under the boxes. Mitch took a huge step down on this on his ego riser, we call him. Um, basically his, his box, stage box. Um, this kid's finger was cut right off. After the show, I saw it in a water bottle. They had the tip of his finger in a water bottle trying to find the kid because he didn't even stick around to look for his, the top of his finger. Um, crazy story, but I don't even know what ended up happening with that. But yeah, we did many tours with him when the cleansing was popping off. Um, Mitch was just, you know, an incredible friend. I, you got to imagine when they take a band like us on some of our first tours, like first experiences in Europe, that that's going to mean a lot. Um, and it really did. And, uh, I'll never forget that You know, the, uh, one story I don't think I've told anybody, but I'll share it right now is I was with Mitch one week before he we passed away. So Mitch rides, a Har- Mitch rode a Harley and I have a Harley. And, um, the week before he passed, it was his birthday right before Halloween. If I remember correctly, probably around today, years ago. Um, my camera just died. So I'm going to continue this podcast audio. Um, anyways, what happened was, uh, yeah, we were just talking, we were bullshitting each other and, uh, shooting the shit about Harleys. And he was telling me what I could change about mine. And, and, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, just what we wanted to do with our bikes and things in general of that nature. And, uh, I'll just never forget, you know, he was telling me about what was going on in his life, his things he was excited for and things he was, you know, um, you know, things that weren't exactly that great in his life, you know, I'm not going to get into his business, but not everything was all ship shape. And then, so we had some, some drinks and we talked Harley Davidson's and then a week later he, uh, he wasn't with us anymore. So that's a shame. Um, but, but here's what I want to say. Um, after that, they got Eddie. From also Parish, and I don't know if you remember also Parish, but they're a badass band. They had this album called The Price of Existence that we all loved very much, and um, that was a record that was very inspirational to us. And so, when we found out that Eddie was the replacement for Mitch, it was really, really exciting, and we just couldn't have been more stoked about that. And so, Eddie's voice is incredible, he's such a good vocalist. And if anyone's gonna replace Mitch, I think that was a great um person to do it, but yeah, they um. Eddie was on our bus the other day. I want to say it was in San Francisco. Um, yeah, he was on our bus. He was playing the songs. Sounds really heavy. There's some good guitar solos. Um, you know, despite what the last record was, I know a lot of people have an opinion on it, but I want to say this. Um, it, it doesn't, that, that release for them was just what they wanted to be. They they hit the studio with their producer and he said, let's do things all at once. You're going to get in a room, you're going to play all together at the same time. We're not cutting this shit up into pieces. We're not over editing. We're not doing all this stuff. We're going to make this record. And um, I think it turned out, you know, I've, I heard the one song and I heard everyone's opinions on it. There's some YouTube funny videos about it. But I'll say this, they did that for them. And despite what you think of that last one, um, I think you you'll dig this one. Again, I've only heard a song or two, so don't, you know, don't say I, you know approving the whole record, but from what I heard, that was, uh, it's gonna be a heavy one. So now that my camera's turned off. I guess I'll I'll get to stepping at the end of this podcast. I do want to say one thing. Uh, sponsors, shout out to Clocks and Colors. Um, uh, this is handcrafted men's jewelry. Um, this stuff is high quality, but it's not high enough to where it breaks the bank. You're going to get, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a ring or something like that. I'm wearing a couple pieces right now. If my camera is on, you would know this, but, uh, yeah, this stuff's high quality, but it's not to the point where people can't afford. And I think there's a good middle ground with some of these things that you want to try and find. So shout out to Clocks and Colors. If you want to find them, their website is www.clocksandcolors, spelled C-L-O-C-K-S and colors is c-o-l-o-u-r-s dot com shout out to them second up we have head rush clothing this is men and women's clothes biker style the stuff's well made i sh- I said on the podcast last week i was wearing something i'm wearing a hoodie now as well but the uh the prints on the shirts aren't ink necessarily so you're going to get printed uh patches so it's very high quality Um, so you might not pay 20 bucks for sure. You might pay 35, but these are the kinds of things that aren't going to fade as fast. They're going to fit your body better. And don't ask me why I don't know. They just do. I'm not just saying that because of them being a sponsor here, but, um, they just fit your frame better. At least they do mine. It's high quality stuff. Uh, check it out at www.headrushbrand.com. H E A D R U S H B R A N D.com lastly hope for the day this is the charity i talked about earlier Um, it is okay not to be okay that's their motto and it really is listen everyone goes through struggles i even know that um, the rich have tested happiness levels and just the poor and, and they'll come pretty pretty close to the same and because what you find is that whether you're rich or poor you find this medium in life you find this middle ground of this of this this is just what life is, whether it's a lot of money or a little bit of money. This is life, and you accept it. Same with people in prison. This is life now. You accept it. Um, and so whether you're happy or sad, there's sometimes you're not going to be okay, and and that's fine. But the thing is 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 we're sometimes afraid to reach out to other people, and you may have had a problem yourself or a friend that you know may have struggled with, with suicide or things like this, but it's important to know that uh, there's other people out there going through the same thing as you, and that together, if we help each other out, it could be the difference of, of a person's life or not. So if you want to check out the website, it's hftd.org. You can donate on the website. I believe the link is at the top right. And uh, please do that. Uh, close out with tour dates. Infinite Mind headlining tour. I'm playing the entire record and new music. November 12th, Houston, Texas. November 13th, San Antonio, Texas. November 15, New Orleans, Louisiana. November 17, Atlanta, Georgia. November 19, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. November 20, Baltimore, Maryland. November 21, Brooklyn, New York. November 22, Rochester, New York. November 23, Detroit, Michigan. November 24, Chicago, Illinois. And November 26, closing out the tour in Dallas, Texas, Guys, I apologize about the camera dropping out. Thankfully, it was only for the last few minutes. Um, Thanks for coming by the podcast. I'm going to be doing this every Thursday. I appreciate the support. Leave a comment. Would you like and subscribe? The video, all of that stuff helps. Thanks again for the Infinite Mind podcast. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.